0: Facetune is worth how much? Tesla's new feature and five tricks to create emails that get opened. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hope you've had an amazing week and let's dive right into the news stories. So Facetune just landed a $135 million evaluation. Facetune, the editing tool that's been popular for editing out wrinkles, fixing your makeup, fixing your face, and even been credited to shedding off a few pounds for people, has been around for six years. It was actually Apple's most popular app in 2017, and it looks like they're Still at the top of their game. Golden Sachs, private capital investing firm Insight Partners or Clytech just gave just gave Facetune's parent company Light Tricks $135 million in Series C funding at a post-money valuation of $1 billion. Facetune is owned by this Jerusalem-based Light Tricks, and they have a few other popular photo slash video editing apps as well called Enlight and Swish. So according to the co-founder and CEO, Zee Farbman, BaseTune now has more than 1 million subscribers and Light has roughly a million subscribers and Swish's subscriber count brings the total to nearly 3 million subscribers altogether. So this new round of financing brings its total funding to $205 million to date. This new funding will be used to create more tools, they say. And also he said that they plan on acquiring companies very straight strategically. So my thoughts on this, people love editing more than ever with Instagram. You want your content to be good and people are willing to pay for it because Facetune launched at Facetune 2 where people had to pay to subscribe to get certain features, which actually caused some backlash because people were used to getting the features for free before. The subscription model did cause some people to be upset and they didn't want to start paying, but they're still doing fine apparently, and other people are investing in them and um, seeing those evaluations and that everything's looking like it's going well for them. So it just shows to me that maybe that subscription model really is working. We've seen a lot of subscription services pop up within the past few years. And so it must be working for them if they're still being able to show investors, hey, invest in us and prove that worth. So that's working for them. And the fact that he mentioned about talking about acquiring more companies. We'll have to follow up and see when that happens. So that's really interesting because they're already like growing a very profitable or a very expensive business profitable. It just, it's worth a lot and it'll be interesting to see what kind of companies they do end up acquiring, which facetune always is kind of in the middle of controversy, people talking about over editing and all that. But I don't think a lot of people care because a lot of people are using it. (laughs) So thought that was interesting. We'll have to stay tuned on what they actually start investing in themselves. Story number two, a headline from the verge this week read Spotify's big bet on podcasts is starting to pay off this week. The podcast streaming company reported that its podcast audience has grown by over 50% since the last quarter. That's almost doubled since the start of the year. The company also saw subscriber numbers grow overall with its total number of premium subscribers growing by 9% to 108 million compared to the last quarter and monthly active users growing to 200 Thirty-two million, an increase of seven percent. The Wall Street Journal notes exceeded expectations. So, a lot of numbers there, but. Spotify is very much growing in their subscriber rates and their listening rates. So a lot of growth there. And Spotify is not only growing from an audience perspective, their business itself is growing from a number of acquisitions and partnerships. So a few of those earlier this year, they acquired the podcasting network Gimlet Media, as well as Anchor, which produces tools to let podcasts Creators build and publish and monetize podcasts. And then the following month, they acquired Parcast, another podcast network. At the time of this, these big acquisitions, the company said it expected to invest as much as $500 million in its podcasting business. With the company's CEO, Daniel Eck predicting that 20% of all listening on the platform will eventually come from podcasts, which is interesting because, like, as you know, I'm sure you're probably a Spotify user, or at least you've heard of it, that their big thing is music. So that's pretty like cool that 20% of all listening, he thinks will be accredited to podcasts. And they also launched a multi-year podcasting deal with Higher Ground Productions as well. So they have a lot going on in the pot, Um, but The Verge also reported that despite a 31% year over year rise in the subscriber revenue around $1.7 billion and a 34% rise in ad supported revenue, which is how they would make more money to around 184 million. The Verge reports that Spotify is continuing to lose money with an operating loss of around $3.3 million. Their investment is starting to show some return. It'll take more time for to reach like a more healthy, profitable standpoint, which sounds like it's just more of like an expensive business. They're doing a lot of acquisitions, which comes with its own trials and errors. So they're getting more profitable, but they're also losing a lot of money as well. So it's crazy to see the growth of the podcast industry as a whole. Like in the past year, think about it. How many new podcasts have you seen pop up? You know, Working Girl Talk. (laughs) Um, but I'm sure you've seen a way, way more. It's just exploding. It's such a crazy industry right now. I'm sure you can't even count how many that you listen to or have listened to or heard of. So it's, it's awesome as a medium because it's perfect for multitasking for people. You can listen while you work, while you drive. It's a, unique platform that way. And stuff like this, like podcasting just gets super easy to access to. So podcasting is definitely here to stay. And especially after seeing these numbers from Spotify. So I'm sure that in the end, even though they're kind of losing that profitability standpoint, So they're losing money from an operating loss with an operating loss that I'm sure they'll bounce back. Eventually it'll probably just take a long time to actually reach that, which may be because too, that Spotify or in a lot of these other podcast streaming forms, you technically don't have to pay for. And a lot of podcasts are just free like this one, like you don't have to pay to use it. Um, but Spotify does have like subscription memberships and premium and all these other options to access more content. So similar to the Facetune option actually, but probably we'll see more subscriber options pop up third story. So as reported by TechCrunch this week, Tesla CEO, Elon Musk has confirmed that Tesla is getting ready to add some new streaming services to their cars. So if you've ever been inside a Tesla or seen them, uh, Google it, if you haven't, that they have a large screen, uh, next to the driver's side wheel. So in the middle, basically like the middle console where most cars actually do have a screen there, but they have like a very large one. Imagine like a large iPad. So they're adding YouTube streaming as well as Netflix. He confirmed as told by TechCrunch. So these two platforms will be coming in and joining their software. Tesla software is really unique. They have a lot of different features. So it's not too surprising that these two platforms are going to go there, but at the end of the day, it is a car. So what's that all about? So they confirmed that these would only be accessible while the car is stopped. They did say that if regulations ever allowed for full-on self-driving capability, that it could be allowed all time uh which tesla does have like the technology to do full self-driving cars but just our regulations don't allow it yet or i don't know if they ever will but uh so if that ever happens then it will be accessible at all times in the car but as of right now that this would just be accessible while the car is stopped which is kind of fun so the picture that he painted that uh TechCrunch reported on is that it kind of is a old school drive-in movie experience. So if you ever had to stop your car, you could turn on Netflix and watch in the car, which is kind of fun. I kind of like that nostalgia feel. And also, I was thinking too, like earlier where I live, there was a lot of heavy rainstorms, and I was like, dang, like I feel like I should just pull off on the freeway. So if, if you ever had to pull off and pull into a parking lot and wait out a storm or something, you could just sit in your car and watch Netflix. I was like, huh, I could have used that this week while it's crazy raining. So there we go. Kind of that old school nostalgia feel, but pretty exciting for Tesla. That's a pretty cool feature. And TechCrunch actually made a funny joke that for that maybe it's because people spend so much money on Teslas that you don't have any other money to do other entertainment. So you just kind of want to do all your Netflixing in the car. So there you go. <laughs> so now it's time for our working girl topic. Let's talk about emails and how do we get people to open them? If you have an email, which I'm sure you do. Everyone pretty much has an email address these days. Uh, You probably are signed up for a few email newsletters from your favorite company, your favorite store. Are there some that you actually enjoy receiving? Probably. Are there some that you are annoyed at? And then finally you just, can't deal with it and you unsubscribe, you're not alone. The email marketing game has exploded in the last 10 years. It's really an easy way to reach your audience and consumers directly and without fighting against algorithms or paying hefty money with ads. So it's a really nice way to reach your audience. But what good is an email if it's not getting opened? Let's dive through my tips for increasing your open email rate. This is more for email marketing purposes, but it can be applied to emails you're writing to people at work and whoever you're writing them to and so on. So Tip number one, mirror your website. You want to provide a very consistent user experience. If a user opens your email, clicks on a link to your website, it should be the same, or at least the same branding, the same feel, because you don't want them to click on a link and feel like they've gone to a different place. So if your website or your email is very bright and colorful, lots of imagery, and they click to your website and it's very black and white, maybe very clean, modern, and like very simplistic. They might feel like they've gone to the wrong place. Like, oh, is that even the right link? And they'll leave, which will increase your bounce rate. So people leaving and exiting right away. So you want to create a very consistent user experience, which is pretty much the same for marketing across the board. You always want to have that same branding. So people know it's you and this, so people don't feel like they're being tricked because this email is all about building that trust. So mirroring your website So matching that same logo, the same fonts, the same heading style if you can. And the best practice here, You can literally just copy the layout of your website, so the top header picture, the same text below, the pattern, and then as you build your confidence with emails and creating them, you can branch out a little bit more and get creative for a specific sale or something specific, but sticking as close to your website as possible is great for brand consistency. Tip number two, utilize that subject line. What's the one thing that gets you to open an email? that subject line. This is applicable to marketing emails as well as emails you're sending out to a coworker or anyone else. It's always about that subject line. How are you going to get them to open it? So make sure that subject line really captures attention. And a great way to do this, if you're kind of lost on subject lines, is to do A-B testing. It depends on what email marketing software you're using. But for example, in MailChimp, you can use an A-B testing tool. So you can write a, a subject line a certain way, write another one, and then it'll split your audience and send out the two subject lines, then you can compare which one actually performed better and you can go from there. So picking that okay cool, I know that they liked it with an emoji in it, I'll use an emoji next time. Did they like it again? So I'm just doing something like that, which that's actually a great example. So if you have two subject lines, use an emoji in one, use no emoji in the other one, see which one performs better. Just like as like a simple test to see what's going right, what's going wrong. And don't be afraid to get creative here. Like I said, you can throw in an emoji, you can use an alt tag that puts their name so if you've ever seen like the, Hey name, like an email to me, Hey, Abby, check this out or whatever. Um, you can insert names in there if you have like a built out list with names in it. So there's a lot of different ways to make your subject lines more creative. So kind of thinking what would get you to open it is a great mindset to have a word of warning here. Don't false advertise in your subject line, a clickbait subject line. makes you lose that trust with your audience and could increase that unsubscribe rate. So don't promise something that's not gonna be in the email because that's just annoying for everyone. Number three, pick a great send time. So your email, if you send it at the wrong time, maybe they'll never see it. So I like in, for example, MailChimp, there is a send time, like an optimized time tool where you can just click that and it will assess your users and what time they're usually active or opening emails and it will send it at that time for you. Other email platforms do have that feature as well so if you just use that optimized send time tool they'll just do that for you so you don't have to it takes the guesswork out of picking that send time and if you don't have access to an optimized send time tool you can just google it like google when's the best time best time to send an email some resources have it broken down by industry and whatnot but a safe one across the board like just in general and marketing is tuesday morning that is typically a good time for people so if you don't know where to start i would just start there go for tuesday mornings for some reason, that's just typically a good time to send an email. I think maybe it's because that catch-up for Monday is over. You're a little bit more relaxed Tuesday morning, and then morning you're probably on your computer and your email's still working. So try that Tuesday morning if you don't know where to start, because that's generally a good time. Also, kind of think about where your audience is from. Which typically in any email marketing software there is like a demographic section. So if you're if you know your whole audience is in England, don't send it at. 9 a.m. here because that will be late at at night or in the evening in England. So kind of think about where your audience is and what their behavior is too. And also assessing data after you've sent emails to see what time that they're opening them. Tip number four, nail down your frequency. The most confusing thing for a user, an audience member, somebody that consumes your content, and I'm sure you probably experienced this yourself, is if you get an email, then an email right after, an email that next morning maybe a week goes by with nothing and then you get another email. It just gets confusing and can also increase that unsubscribe rate because they don't know what to expect from you. So subconsciously people like a consistent schedule. So knowing that they can expect something from you. So if you pick like, okay, Thursday, I'm gonna send my email newsletter out every Thursday, or even if it's okay, once a month on the third Thursday, having that consistency is really awesome for your audience because then they, they know when they can expect you. Even if your email schedule is oh I send an email every day twice a day great but stick to it and commit to that so they know what they can expect from you because you don't want it to be all over the place and that just loses that trust and credibility and you want them to be able to rely on you to give them the most important information when you need it not just abusing that power that they gave you their email tip number five keep it simple when in doubt test out a simple email even if that's using the plain text feature so that's like without the crazy images or branding or graphics even if is just using that plain text feature. That's a great place to start. Anytime you can just keep it simple and you can kind of build up to where you're comfortable and keep adding more things and seeing what works best for you. And similar to any other aspect of marketing or branding, uh, just trying something, seeing how it goes, and then tweaking and modifying and improving it every single time. And when I say keep it simple, that can also mean the content. So if you're talking about so many different things, it can be confusing. People don't wanna spend all day reading an email So give them the most important information about your sale coming up or your event and go from there. Yeah, like you can have like banners and things at the bottom that like, or at the top that like remind people about certain things outside of the email topic, but every email should have one matter that it's focused on, which is across the board. Whether you're sending a marketing email or an email within your workplace, it's too confusing to communicate through email anyway. So keeping it simple, focused on one topic is the best way to reach your people and get your information across. And that is it for my top five email tips to increase your open rate. If you have any questions on this subject, feel free to DM me at my Instagram at Abby Zufelt. Um, I'd be more than happy to answer your questions and let me know if I need to do a follow up on this A podcast. if anything I need to clarify or go over, but those are just five simple tips to help you get your emails in a better spot when it comes to open rate, because if you have an email you want people to see it, you worked hard on that. <laughs> so last but not least, before we go, my Friday favorite. So I stumbled upon an article from the New York Times from March. So yeah, old news, Abby, where was I? I know, <laughs> but I stumbled upon this article called how TikTok is rewriting the world. And if you listened to last week's episode, in our news section, I talked about TikTok and like, yeah, they're um, acquiring businesses and they acquired this new AI and they're worth a lot of money. So I got to reading this article from the New York Times and it is so crazy. So it just talks about like the impact TikTok has, explain what it, explains what it is and kind of like the future of it. And I think maybe it's just the timing too, because this week I also saw a video from Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, He's like a marketing expert guru guy and like his stuff's really good. But he, I saw a video from him him saying why he has an account on TikTok. And he's like, I'm like an old man. Why do I have an account on TikTok? It's because all these social media platforms ebb and flow and there's 500 million people on TikTok. My audience might end up there and chances are in that probably some of his audience is. So like why he has a TikTok account, which it's so crazy to me because TikTok is like a music app that I've only ever heard of like little kids using. So I was like, dang, that is crazy. And it goes back to when you think about all these new platforms that come up, like when Instagram first came out, it was just for photographers. It's not like the daily average person was using it. So it's crazy how all of these platforms just evolve. And then after reading the New York Times article and seeing Gary Vee's video, I was like, "Dang, do I need to make a TikTok?" And I'm like, "I don't know if I can go and sing to people like that." <laughs> so we'll see. Maybe Abby on TikTok is coming soon, or Working Girl Talk on TikTok. Man, that's kind of hard to say. Working Working Girl Talk on TikTok. <laughs> Might be coming soon, who knows. But I just thought that was something cool to keep in mind and that like, if you are an influencer or content creator or somebody who just likes to use Instagram for fun, but it's kind of sad that you maybe aren't getting your content seen, like all these platforms kind of ebb and flow. They all have their moment in the sun. They kind of have their moment where they're not and back and forth. So just kind of keeping your eyes open to other platforms out there, being open to it. And yeah, if you're just curious, you should read that New York Times article, how TikTok is rewriting the world, because I guess I just didn't realize how big of an impact it's having and how so many people use it especially internationally too. So yeah, my mind was just blown and I thought I'd share. (laughs) So yeah, if you're like sitting there at work in this app this afternoon or throughout the week and you're like, I need something to read that's like engaging, but kind of like, but interesting and fun too. I would definitely check out that article from the New York times. With that being said, that is the end of our show. Thank you so much for listening to working girl talk. Please rate and review us in the podcast app. I would love to see some more reviews in there. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for all the Positivity and every review just helps this podcast get seen by more people, which I, of course, I want because I want everyone to feel the positivity, the good work vibes, have that little something, that little piece of cheer throughout the workday that you can just listen to while you work. So please rate and review the podcast. DM me if you have any questions. Make sure to follow us on social and I will talk to you next week. See ya.